This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Banks, St. Samson's, in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. See a lot of faces. Uh, it's amazing how quickly it comes. Actually, I, I, like I said, Tim's got his, he looks very cold in this sort of. You, I said to him, Why are you guys going out for a meal? And I'm thinking, Well, I dress like this normally, so I don't know whether. Perhaps I need to tone down a little bit, I don't know. Anyway, Galatians 6, verse 9. There's really just three words I want us to think about, and it's Galatians 6. Uh, just that, ver- that ninth verse, but just a, just a really last phrase of that. It says, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap. Isn't that an amazing promise? But notice this, it's all based on that one word there, weary. If you don't grow weary. If you don't grow weary, then you're going to reap. And he uses this phrase I want to just think about this morning is, if we don't lose heart. Say, don't lose heart. Say to the person next to you, don't, don't lose heart. <laughs> because it's kind of so easy, isn't it, to kind of lose heart. Lose heart for that dream you had. Lose heart for that promise you had. Lose heart for that kind of thing from God you've been believing for. It's just so easy, with all the pressures, all the various things that rise against us to kind of lose heart and when you lose heart you get weary and when you get weary you don't come into the promise and what God has called you to be and there's something about sort of not losing hearts you know Jesus talks about time and time again about taking heart not losing heart but always taking heart when I was young, which is going back a few years, you know, we used to, I used to go and my dad used to buy me. I had a season ticket, believe it or not, with Birmingham City. I had this season ticket in the stands. That was pretty amazing. So, yeah, here we go again. But the thing I always remember, in the cup matches, I used to love the cup matches, especially when we were winning. It was, that's so awesome about that, you know, the cup matches. And almost, it's almost then, when we were winning, particularly when we were winning, and we're going to the next round, this song used to rise up, keep right on to the end of the road. Remember that song? You know, keep right on to the end. And it used to be absolutely, all the, everybody used to sing it. And, it's, and the thing about it, it's almost this unison of heart. Where before people were kind of lost heart, and now as they're all singing and celebrating all together, this incredible sense of oneness of heart. As everyone lifts their voices and, this, and everybody comes together in heart. That moment, that oneness of heart. And there's something awesome when you don't lose heart. Let me show you a scripture. Turn to, to Matthew 9 2. Don't lose heart. What Jesus says here in 9 verse 2. Here is this story of the paralytic. And then Jesus says to this paralytic, 
It says, when Jesus saw the faith, the faith of the men who were, who were going to drop that paralytic through the kind of the roof of that story, it says, son, be of good cheer. Now, in the NIV it says, son, don't... It says, son, take heart. We see another picture of this in verse 22, the same chapter. Here's where Jesus healed that woman who just touched the hem of his garment. But Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he says, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Or again in IV, he says, Daughter, what? Take heart. Your faith has made you well. Hebrews 12, verse 2, and this is the, uh, in the NIV, says, Consider him who so endured such opposition for sinners so that you will not grow weary and you will not, what? Lose heart. When you lose heart, it's, it's a heart that's deplenished. You lose passion. You lose enthusiasm. And when your heart is diminished, you become half-hearted. And when you become half-hearted, it's very hard to be productive in your Christian life. It's very hard to achieve or do anything in life when you lose heart, when you're half-hearted about something. You can't be effective when your heart's not in it. How many have found that in life? When your heart's not really in something, it's very hard to be effective in what you do. And that covers anything in life, whether it be your your job, whether it be uh, within your marriage, whether it be in relationships. When your heart's not really in it, it's very hard for it to be effective. And here's another incredible thing about this, that when your heart isn't, isn't, in, in, isn't in something else, then it affects everything else. So it's very hard not to have your heart in, in one thing and have your heart in other things. Because when your heart isn't, if you like, fully going for, for, for the things of God, then it affects everything else. It's very hard for your heart to be in relationships, in your marriage, in, in your career, in your job, when your heart... It affects every other dimension of life. You can't, you can't sort of put your life in compartments and say, I'll have a heart for this, but not a heart for that. When you're, heart, when you're half-hearted about one thing, you'll find yourself being half-hearted about everything else. And so Paul says, he says, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Jesus says, I want to pour heart into you so you won't be a person who will lose heart. In fact, if you read the psalmist, David said this, he says, God, don't allow me to have a divided heart. In other words, don't allow me to be half-hearted in life. Don't allow me to be someone who, who, who lives my life half-heartedly. Don't allow me not to have a divided heart, but let everything I do enable me, help me, to put my whole heart in it. In my worship, let me be wholehearted. In my service for you, let me be wholehearted. In my, in my love for people, let me be wholehearted. In my work and my job and my career, and let me be, you know, fully going for it. In my relationships, in my marriage, let me be wholehearted. Don't allow me to have a, a divided, half-hearted attitude in life. 
Just thinking of a few things that kind of causes us to, to, to lose heart. Here's the first thing. We lose heart. When people, when we, when we allow people to affect the way we look at life's perspective. When people, when we look at life through somebody else's perspective. Amazing how we can often begin to see our lives, our circumstances, because we allow other people to give us perspective for our situation. Let me show you, what, let me show you this in Deuteronomy 128. We've got to take care that we don't allow somebody else's perception and someone else's perspective to cause us to lose heart. You know what I'm talking about? When somebody else loses heart, they tend to affect others around them. And we can be affected by people around us who've lost heart. Look at Deuteronomy 1.28. And here's what happened in this situation. Deuteronomy 1.28. Where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of Anam there. Then I said to you, do not be terrified or be afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. He's saying, don't allow other people's perception to cause you to lose in other words there can be other people's voices that can sap our hearts ever had that happen to you when somebody else who's full of fear and full of discouragement and full of despondency full of negativity if you like and you're if you like believing God for something you've a promise something that God's laid on your heart to do And then you begin to hear their perspective on it. You begin to hear their negative voice kind of coming on you. And suddenly before you know where you are, because you've hearkened and listened to them, you have lost heart over a certain situation. I mean, recognize that. That you were believing something, you had a heart for it, and suddenly now... The heart that you had for that faith. The heart that you had for that promise. The heart that you had for that dream. The heart that you, that you had for what God had put on your heart to have. Suddenly, it's kind of deplenished. And you've lost heart because of what other people have said. And I just think, uh, notice what it says. It says that, it says, The people are greater and taller than we. Their cities are great and fortified up to the heaven." It's interesting that often what can happen, how many know that would, that's an exaggeration? I mean, you think about it, cities up to the sky. I mean, you know, I'm, we're talking about beyond the Empire State Building, you know. So, although they built big cities in ancient times, they never built cities that touched the skies. Is that right? In other words, there's this sense of exaggeration. And often when people would speak discouragement, it's often exaggerated. It's made worse than what it is. That's what the enemy does. He exaggerates things. He makes things far worse than what they really are. And so there's that picture. 
Here's the second thing. So, first thing is, don't allow other people to, to, to cause you to lose heart. Here's the second thing. When, when we allow circumstances that are conspiring against us, get big. In other words, in our minds, we get overwhelmed by the circumstances around us. And when that happens... People can disappoint us, we get disappointed with God, we get disillusioned, we get disappointed, and we begin to lose heart. Because our eyes and our minds are focused on the circumstances. There's a great verse here in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 17, verse 32. What a... 1 Samuel 17, verse 32. Here's David... About to face Goliath. How many think that's a big circumstance? 1 Samuel 17, verse 32. Look what he says. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistines. David's saying, Don't lose heart. He wasn't affected by the size of the opposition, the challenge, the thing that was against him. He says, that could have caused, don't allow that to cause you to lose heart. Because it's not the will of God he wants you to take heart. I think that's why praise and worship is so important. I found with praise and worship, it enables you to take heart. You know why? Because the Bible says magnify. In other words, as you worship, as you praise God, you magnify, you enlarge God, and you begin to see God bigger than your circumstances. You begin to see God bigger than your challenges. You begin to see God bigger than what you're facing. But as long as your circumstances seem bigger than God, if you like, then you lose heart. Whatever is biggest in your heart depends on what condition your heart's going to be in so when I see how awesome and how amazing how great God is you know what happens when I do that it causes me what to take heart but the moment I focus on my problems and my circumstances and my challenges and that because my focus you know what happens I begin to what lose heart so here's the second thing don't allow the, the circumstances to cause you to lose heart. Next thing is Jeremiah 51 46. There's a big one. When people get fearful because of what is going on in the land. In other words, we focus on the violence, we, we focus on all the things that's going on around in our world. You know, we look at the doom and the gloom, what we call evening news. Is that right? And so we begin, to get, get, we begin to get very focused on all the, the gloom and the doom, if you like. And we begin to get so focused on that, we begin to lose heart. And people no longer begin to look at God or believe God. They're rather focusing on all the kind of news and the bad stuff around them. Look at Jeremiah 51 verse 46. I kind of like this because I think it's so prevalent. 
to the days in which we live. Isaiah 50, sorry, Jeremiah, sorry, Jeremiah. I just think this is so true of today's society, today's situation. Jeremiah 51 verse 46. Lest you lose heart and faint. Do not fear for the rumour that will be heard in the land. A rumour that will come one year and after that in in another year. A rumour will come and violence in the land. Ruler against ruler. He's basically saying, don't allow the the, the rumours of the land. Babylon was a city that was heading very quickly for destruction. And right in the midst of that city, God speaks to his own people. He says there's a rumour. He said, don't get swayed by the rumour. Don't get pushed away from your trust in God. Don't get pushed away from your faith in God. He's basically saying, as you read that through, he says, heaven does not have a recession. We hear of the recessions around us. You know, heaven doesn't have a recession. God's not saying, you know what? I can't assign any angels to you. I'm a bit sure of angels this this time. They cost a lot to, to manage. They cost a lot to run, so... It's a bit, we're having a bit of a problem up here in heaven, so there's a lot of the resources that you say make available to you. There's a bit of a recession going on, so I can't kind of do it this time. How many realize there's no recession in heaven? Is that right? God's power is never limited. God's power is never held back. So let's not believe that, that the rumors and all the, the things around us allows us to lose heart. One of the rumors that the enemy wants you to believe is that people don't want God. He wants you to believe the rumor that that people aren't interested. I want you to believe the rumour that, that their situation, that, that they're, they're too far for God to reach. They're, they're in too dark a hole for God to touch them. And, and all these rumours that the enemy wants to put in our mind can cause us to lose heart and lose faith and lose belief. So let's not listen to the, the, the rumours of the land. There's the next thing. I think when people go through the mechanics of of serving God. Next, I want you to get a hold of something because sometimes it's so easy in Christian life. It's the moment we lose heart, we end up in routine Christianity. We go through kind of outward routines. If your heart's not in something, then Paul describes it this way. Having a form of godliness, but what? But not the power thereof. It's outward form, outward exteriors that doesn't really come from within the heart. Why? Because we've lost heart. And when we've lost heart, then we find ourselves, it just becoming something outward. Something that's just an exterior. Something that just flows from our outward man. Rather than something that's birthed in the heart. And here we're told, turn me to Hebrews 12, verse 3, because what happens is, we go through the mechanics of things, and here's what we do. It's because we're not really looking as a person we're doing it all for. The moment you kind of lose sight of why you're doing what you're doing for is the moment you lose heart. In Hebrews 12, verse 3, tells us why we do what we do for. And if this isn't our motivation, if this isn't, if this isn't the reason why we do what we do, then we're going to lose heart. Look at verse 2, sorry. What? Looking unto Jesus, the author 
and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, that amazed that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. He's saying, keep your eyes on Jesus. In all the things you do, serving God, in all the various forms, you will grow weary unless you consider him. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on his sacrifice. Otherwise, what we do becomes a labour. And that's a a place we never want to get to where we're doing things that there is a labour. There is something that we struggle and strive to do rather than doing it because our eyes are on Jesus and we want him to be glorified. We want him to be magnified. We want him to get all the glory and that's what our eyes are focused on. And the more we do that, then we won't grow weary. In fact, it energises you. It kind of energises your heart when he's the one that you're doing it for. When he's the one that you're living for. When he's the one that you're focused on. When the Bible says, in all that you do, do for the Lord. Amen. And so when that becomes the stirring and the focus of your heart, it's like an energy that comes inside you. But the moment you take your eyes off that, the moment your focus becomes on other ways and other things, you kind of grow weary and tired. And everything becomes a, a struggle and there's a weariness and a tiredness and there's no energy there, there's no enthusiasm there, there's no passion there. And the simple reason is this, is we took our eyes off Jesus. Have you thought about this? David said, that verse I just said, he says, you know what? He says, don't let yourself become discouraged. Notice this, because of the Philistines. Here's the point. The moment you lose heart, you give opportunity to the enemy. The enemy wants you to lose heart. And the moment you lose heart, you give opportunity for the enemy. And David says, don't lose heart because of the Philistines. Because the moment you lose heart about anything you do, you're playing right into the hands of the enemy. The enemy wants us to lose heart. That's why he raises things against us. That's why he tries to discourage us. That's why he tries to wear us down. That's why he tries to cause you to take your eyes off Jesus. So the moment your eyes are off him, you grow weary and you lose heart and you give ground to the enemy. Can you say amen? Turn me to Isaiah 61. Sorry, Isaiah 7. This is a bit of my Christmas thing now. So I just think as I close, this is kind of an encouragement for... How not to lose heart. Here's a man, a king, Ayaz, who has the potential to lose heart. He's discouraged. The enemies are around him. And he's losing heart. And Isaiah comes to him with a message. A message to encourage him not to lose heart. Isaiah chapter 7. Two enemies are conspiring to take over Jerusalem. So the king is really not trusting God. He's lost heart. He's taken his eyes off God. And so Isaiah comes to him. 
Look at verse 2 of Isaiah 7. And he was told to the house of David, saying, Syria's forces are deployed in Ephraim. So his people, so his heart and the heart of his people were moved as trees of the woods are moved with the wind. That's a great picture. I've thought about that. You can see, who knows? It's a great picture right here and now. You can see the, the trees just swelling. He says, he says, the people's hearts were just moved like trees. The wind and the pressures of circumstances were just moving their hearts. Because they were seen, their hearts were shaken. Their hearts were moved. Now in verse 4, here is Isaiah's counsel. Verse 4 says, Take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted. For those two stubs of smoking firebrands from the fierce anger of Rezin of Syria and the son of Ramah. He says, in other words, he says, guard your heart and let your heart, what? Keep calm. He's saying that when you lose perspective, when your wrong perspective begins to rule you on the inside, you're not guarding your heart and you get full of anxiety and, you, you're, and you're vulnerable to lose heart. That can so easily happen. We've got to guard our heart. We've got to guard our heart from things that would want to cause us to lose heart. Anxiety, worry, all those things when they get into your heart cause you to lose heart. And so he says, guard your heart. Keep your heart in stillness. Keep your heart in quietness. I like what Paul said. He says, even though my outward exteriors are kind of fading away, (laughs) but inside I'm getting stronger day by day. How many love that verse? That outwardly maybe your kind of hair's falling out a little bit and parts of your body don't operate as you once like them to operate. They're kind of, you know, it's not all that it was. The outward exterior is fading, but inward, there's a strength there. Inwardly, you are growing. And so really it's dependent of what's in the inward heart, the inward man. That's where your strength is. Your strength really isn't in your in the people, in circumstances around you, your strength isn't in anything else. The real strength of your life is really on the inside. And what is on the inside affects what's on the outside. So if the inward is strong, then it will affect the outward circumstances around it. That's why can I encourage you to build your inward man up. Build yourself up in the word of God. Spend time building yourself up in the Word of God. Allow the Word to grow and deepen. Your, deepen. David said, Soul, why are you disquieted within me? In other words, he lost that sense of quietness on the inside. And he says, you know what? I'm going to get back that quietness inside. I'm going to allow, not allow my emotions because... When you lose the quietness on the inside of your heart, your emotions tend to run all over the place. Have you found that? Your emotions begin to take over. The fears, the anxieties, the, the, all the stuff, all the negative emotions inside you begin to rule over you and take over you because you've lost that quietness, that peace of soul. And in verse 9, he tells us, he said, the head of Ephraim is Samaria. And the head of Samaria is Ramalson. If you will not believe, surely you will not be established. He said, 
Don't allow those things to allow yourself to be taken from what's in your heart. In other words, establish your heart. I think there's certain things we need to establish our heart in. If you don't establish your heart in certain things, you tend to be kind of swayed and you lose heart. I think it's good to establish yourself, for example, in the love of God. To be so established in your heart that God loves you. And that no matter what happens, then you know he still loves you. Because you're established in it. If you're not established in it, that when hard and difficult things come, you're going to be knocked off course. But when your heart is established in the fact that no matter what happens to me in life, I know that God still loves me. Even when I failed, even when I messed up, I know he still loves me. I'm established in that very fact. I'm established in the fact that God is good and he's good all the time. It doesn't mean that, that everything that happens is good, but my heart is established that when bad things do happen, I still believe that God is good and he's good all the time. And my heart is established in that fact. And nothing you can do can ever take that away from me. No matter what happens to me in life, no matter what circumstances happen, no matter what people say, I'm established in the fact that God is good. And we could go on with so many other Christian values and core values that need to be just established in your heart. Because if you're not established in them, then when countery circumstances come, you're going to lose heart. How can you lose heart when you're established in the fact God's good? Is that right? How can you lose heart when you know God's good all the time? How can you lose heart when you know that God's power is in you? And the same power that raised Christ from the dead is now at work in you. You see, when I'm established in these facts, they guard my heart, they protect my heart from losing heart. He says, be established in that. And in verse 11, it says, Ask for a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Hayaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, Hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you, a weary man? But you, will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, that's an inc- how many know that was written 600 years before the birth of Christ? That's an amazing prophetic word, isn't it? But I want you to see something. He says to him, Ask God for a word for yourself. Verse 11, I love what the message says. He says, Ask for the moon. Be extravagant. Isn't that lovely? Be extravagant. I think that one of the ways that causes us to have heart is that we, we need to kind of, number one, we need to get a word from God for ourselves. It's great that we come here on Sunday morning and other times and get a word from God. And that's great. That's encouraging. But ultimately, you need a word from God for yourself. Ask God for a word. Ask God to speak a word to you. Maybe there's something right now, there's a challenge going on in your life. Say, God, I need a word. I need you to speak to me. I need a word from you. Because when it's a word 
from God to you directly, personally. And that's the one that strengthens your life. Isn't that right? When you know God's spoken to you, almost you can face anything in life and know that situation's going to be turned around. Our issue is we lose heart because we've not heard or not had a word from God. And if you've not got a word from God, you're going to be easily discouraged. But when you know God has spoken to you, when you've got a word from God, it's going to strengthen you and empower your life. Amen? And so the most vital thing is say, God, I need a word from you. It's great to hear what other people say. It's great to listen to other people's experiences. But I need a word from you for my situation, for my circumstance right here and now. And God said to him, you're losing heart because you need a word from God. Ask God for yourself. And here's the thing. Because he never had a word from God, he lived a life of low expectation. And that's what happens when you don't really allow God to speak into your life, into your circumstances, and you're daily getting a word from God. Your expectations of God are often very low, very limited. And God says to you, I want you to believe me for impossible things. I want you to be extravagant in what you ask me. I want you to really ask me for amazing big things. When was the last time you asked God for something outrageous? When was the last time you asked God for something radical? When we lose heart, we start losing our expectations of God and what God can do. And God says, I want you to believe that nothing is impossible for me. And I want you to believe me for impossible things. I think God loves that. When we believe him from things that we cannot do in our own natural ability and strength, and we're believing him for the impossible. Almost as the living Bible says, we're believing him in a sense for the moon. We're believing him for something so outrageous, so extravagant, we know it can't be done by human power energy itself. And God said, I want you to ask me for amazing big things. I want you to believe me for miracles. I want you to believe me for healings. I want you to believe me for amazing breakthroughs, amazing miracles to break forth. That's the kind of life I want you to live. A life of of believing for the impossible. I think that's a spirit-filled life. I think the more with the Spirit you become filled, the more you believe God for greater things. Is that right? The more the Holy Spirit begins to fill you and and rule you and and begins to take control of your being, something in you rises out for the impossible. Something rises up within you for for miracles and healings and, and God to do amazing breakthroughs in your life. Provision. That's why I take come Wednesday as well from Amanda. You can tell some amazing stories right there of miraculous provision, of God doing miracles. And the more you have heart, the more you're going to believe for the impossible. See, the reality is we can never live on somebody else's faith. Let me realize that. Can't do it. You can't live off somebody else's experience. You've got to believe God for yourself. And so he says, get a word. And the word that God will speak to you over will always require God to do it. Is that right? If you get a word that you think is from God and you can do it yourself, I question if it's a word from God. Because the word that God will give you will always be a word that you can never do it in your own natural ability and talent. Is that right? The word he'll give to you will be so outrageous, you'll need him to bring it to pass. 
And so God says to, to the king, he says, you know what? I'm going to give you a sign. You've, here's this sign, the most outrageous sign, the most outrageous thing you can ever imagine. Chris says there, he says, the Lord will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son. And will call his name Emmanuel. And as we know, that word Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. There's something about knowing, having awareness, developing a conscious awareness that God is with me that causes me not to lose heart. Is that right? If I know God is with me, then I know I can face anything. It's when I lose that. It's when I lose that conscious awareness God's with me, I begin to lose heart. But there's something about knowing, Emmanuel, God is with me. That whatever I'm facing, whatever the challenge, whatever the situation, God's with me. I'm not alone in this. I'm not facing this in my own power, my own strength. I'm not, I'm not, I kind of, I'm not just an island by myself facing something. God is with me. Emmanuel is with me. He's there with me. He's constantly there with me. So here's the point. If I know he's with me, then how can I lose heart? I actually think this. I think it's an insult to God when we lose heart. You think of the things that people do in life. And they do it with fullness of heart. You think of the time and the energy and the finance. Often people put into all kinds of hobbies, all kinds of things, and their heart is in it. Absolutely amazing some of the things that people do. Is that right today? I've known people who pay thousands of pounds. I don't know why they do it, but they go and see Man United every week. Sad, sad day. But the point is, their heart is so in it, they don't care the price, they don't care the sacrifice because their heart's in it. And almost... If our hearts are not doing something for God, then it's an insult to God. Is that right? You think about it in a marriage situation. If you do something for your wife, but your heart's not in it, isn't it right, men? They can often tell. And they feel insulted that you did something that your heart wasn't really in it. And that's true even with people. If we do something and and they're aware you didn't really put your heart in it, it's a bit of an insult. Is that right? You feel a bit insulted. They did it half-heartedly. They didn't really have their heart in when they did it. How much more then when we come to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and we do things that our heart's not really in it. Let's never worship him half-heartedly. Let's never seek his face half-heartedly. Let's never read his word half-heartedly. Let's never really do anything for him half-heartedly. Therefore, brethren, Do not lose heart. Put your heart fully, completely, totally in it, and you're going to see amazing rewards and blessings and consequences of that. Amen? Let's just stand right now. Let's come before him. I just want you to just say to the Lord right now, say, Lord, I just can't. Just come before him right now. And maybe you're in that place today through various things, Various things have happened. And, and you're saying, Lord, you know what? I kind of lost heart a little bit. I've become discouraged and I've lost heart. I'm glad that God is so amazingly gracious, so amazingly loving. 
that he can really just put the fire back in your heart. He can put the passion back in. Put, the, put what he needs to be put in so that you become a person of fullness of heart and your, your heart go for it. And out of that, God is going to birth miracles. God's going to birth amazing things in your life because you've got a heart that's fully devoted and fully given to him. This is the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to prayer and the breaking of bread. And the Lord did mighty signs and wonders among them. Why was that? Because their hearts were devoted. Their hearts were fully given to the word. Their hearts were fully given to prayer. Their, fully, their hearts were fully given to the, to the work of the cross and what Jesus did. And out of that, miracles and signs and wonders were birthed. I think the same. We can believe the same can happen again. I feel this morning what God's saying to some of us. Begin to believe me for great things. Where you've lost heart over that circumstance. I want to put heart back in you for you to believe me again for a miracle. For you to begin to ask outrageous things again. For you to begin to believe me for mighty things rather than just small things that you could do in your own power and ability. Begin to believe me for great things. I think he delights in that. He delights in big prayers. He delights in big requests. He delights in provision. He delights in doing miracles. He delights in, in, in doing the impossible things. He just loves to do it. That's part of his heart. That's part of who he is. He loves operating outside of what we naturally think. He's so, how many believe he's such an amazing God? Say, Lord, today... I, I've lost heart over that situation. But I'm asking you today, because he wants to say to you, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer over that situation. Be of good cheer over that, over that need right now. Be of good cheer, because I'm on the scene. Be of good cheer, because I'm here. Be of good cheer, because my power is more than able to do even what you imagine or think. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Just spend a few moments just in your heart saying, Lord, I thank you, I thank you, God. I thank you for your miracles. Thank you that you're a God who can turn my situation around. And I believe you for the impossible right now. Father, we just come before you today. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would not grow weary. And we see so many things in our world right now that are trying to make us weary, trying to wear us down. But Lord, today we stand against that, Lord. We resist those pressures. We resist those works of the enemy to discourage us. But Lord, today we take heart. We cheer ourselves up, Lord, with your promises today. We cheer ourselves up in your presence. We cheer ourselves up, Lord, that you are for us and not against us. We cheer ourselves up with the sense, Lord, that you love us, that you're good all the time. And so, Lord, today we give you all the praise and all the glory. May every heart today know the fullness of your spirit dwelling and reigning within us. We give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. Amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this free download from Divine Healing Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at divinehealing.co.uk.